What is up, y'all? Welcome to College Football Live. We figured just three days away from kickoff, we might as well get three of the best friends all hanging out in the studio together. Tom <laughs> Luganville, Chris Doring, Peter Burns. Hi. Hello. How are you? Let's get right into it. Not waste any time with, of course, the big storylines like, you know, like in Netflix. So in previously in this year's uh -huh. uh, or last year's season, this is what goes down. All right. So Pac-12, of course, losing significant component of its college football footprint. Eight of the 12 teams found new homes next season. Stanford is the only school remaining who has actually won a Pac-12 title game since its inception back in 2011. Tenth season, we got a four-team college football playoff format. Marking the final time, we'll see that of just four teams. Of course, we'll expand to 12 and 24. Only 14 teams have made a playoff appearance under that format. And, of course, last season, it was all dogs. That's right. They became the seventh school to go back-to-back -back outright national championships. It's the AP poll debut back in 1936. In fact, no one's gone three straight. Kirby, how focused are y'all on doing that? You know well as I do, we don't focus on that 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 third one or, or trying to get the three-peat. That's not a focal point for us. We really don't talk about it. We don't worry about it. I get the hype around it because when you think about how little it's been done, um, it, it, it can be a special thing. I don't think it's a national championship or bust. I don't think any coach could ever say uh, that that's truly what it is. That's not believable to me. It's not probably sustainable. Um, but what, what measures success is the same thing it did the last seven years. Did we do the best possible job we could with this team? Did we get the most out of this team um, that we possibly could? You know, you can't quantify that in the number of wins and losses. I just I don't think you can, you can do that. Ah, a little bit of lying there. It's pass or fail for Georgia right now. <laughs> I think we can all agree with that. But Kirby, that's his approach. Tom, we talk about that. Three days for going to the season. What's the one thing you're looking for this season? Uh, how quarterback play seems to work throughout the season. And you look at Georgia right there. Obviously, they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback in Carson Beck. We've got a three- or four-headed monster, however you want to describe it, in Tuscaloosa for who's going to be the starter for the Crimson Tide. Ohio State, is it going to be Devin Brown? Is it going to be Kyle McCord? And then, you know, teams like Arizona State, they just named a true freshman in Jaden Rashada. Yeah. How about Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin? What he's going to bring? So many high-profile teams trying to find an answer at quarterback that could be in the playoff mix. CD? Yeah, well, for me, it actually has to do with one of those teams you talked about, Luz, and it's Alabama. I think Alabama takes a step back this year. A lot of people predict them to, to win the West. I am not one of them. I think LSU is going to assert themselves in that division, and this would be interesting. It would be the first time since 2010 and 2011 that Alabama has not won the West in back-to-back -back years. Georgia's already supplanted them in the conference. I think Alabama gets supplanted by LSU in the West. Crazy. How about second-year head coaches? I'm fired up about this. We saw Dan Lanning, the job that he did over at Oregon, Kyle DeBoer at Washington. BK, you just talked about it. You like what he's doing in the 2-2-5 down in Baton Rouge. Sonny Dykes did a great job first year going to the Horned Frogs. They're in the playoff. Billy Napier at Florida. lot riding, especially on that opening game against Utah. And, of course, how about out West, Lincoln Riley? That's a big question mark. But one question mark that the Trojans do not have is when it comes to who their quarterback <laughs> is going to be. Why do you laugh? Why do you laugh at that? The guy is such a magician, and if you haven't had a chance to see him play in person, I don't know if you truly have an appreciation for what this guy has meant to that football team. Uh, the guy we're talking about, of course, is Caleb Williams, who, of course, trying to do something that hasn't been done since, what, 50 years ago, roughly, right, which is when back-to-back Heisman trophies. Archie Griffin did it back in 74 and 75. And 
I mean, how was that playing against him back in the day, Doran? Was it good? <laughs> good? Bad? No? You always had to watch on the sideline when Archie was out uh, there. Oh, of course, I'm joking. But this was an interesting quote about the 2024 draft. Caleb Williams said, that's for sure now going to be an end-of-moment decision at the end of the year. It's my third year. The dream goal was always go three and out. Being around the guys and in college and enjoying it, we'll have to see at the end of the year. Luke's thoughts? My thought is that I have a soft spot in my heart for somebody that can recognize and identify how unique and special it is to actually play college football and the camaraderie and the pageantry and the purity and the fact that your teammates do mean something. But this is a three-and-out guy. No red shirt year, okay? Mm -hmm. And so you're talking about a massive amount of money, either as the first or second or third overall pick, and you'd be a year younger by leaving after your third year and, again, did not register. I will never get that 10 seconds back of my life where he just declared that he's going to think about it at the end of the year. It's a done deal. Exactly. He wasted all of our time right there. We all know he's going to be the first pick in the draft next year. I love what you said about appreciating college football, but this is a guy that's moving on to the NFL after this season. All right, it's interesting. He's minus 500 to be the first round, uh, the first pick yeah. overall in the draft. That happens, but it'll be interesting to see like maybe if QB2 or QB3 in that draft at some point uses it as leverage to say I want to go to this team overall though any thoughts of what this USC squad is going to look like you've you've taken the social media about it I don't think there are, there is any question what they're going to look like on, on offense uh, that's tried and true it's been proven they got one of the most prolific play calls in Lincoln Riley in college football but I am still concerned on defense I'm concerned about their inability to tackle I'm concerned about their inability to get off the field on third down. Very concerned about their inability to stop explosive plays. They're that bad, you think? It, I, a year ago they were, and I think what, what glossed it over was the fact that they were able to somehow create this magnificent, magnificent number of plus 22 in turnover margin. That doesn't happen. I mean, that's a once-in-every-10-15-year type of deal. So, you know, if you remove that, and let's just assume, let's just say they're at plus 9. That's a good number. Mm -hmm. Are they good enough on defense if that number decreases by half? Yeah to be who they need to be to help the yeah, offense. Yeah, I think we're looking at a sample size larger than just last year. Let's go back to Oklahoma with Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley. Right. Together, those defenses were built the same way. And what happens here, PB, is you, when you're that bad on defense, eventually one of those middle-of-the-pack teams in your conference are going to sneak up and bite you. Yeah. But even if you do make it unscathed through and you win the conference championship game, which they couldn't do against Utah last year, you're going to get to the college football playoffs and get destroyed because you don't have your line right. of scrimmage, particularly the defensive line built the right way. It kind of reminds me of Ole Miss. Remember when Lane Kiffin went there the first year? They were fantastic offensively, horrifically bad on defense. He did bring in D.J. Durkin. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. what happened? They won 10 games. Yeah. But To their credit, they did bring in some studs up front, yes. Bear Alexander being one of the most notable there. So they could be better. It's just what's the acclimation time going to be like? And what's, the, what's the, the scheme of the defense going to change to with those guys up front? Well, I thought you hit the nail on the head, whether it's Washington, Oregon, SC, Utah, maybe Oregon State, maybe UCLA. Mm -hmm. There's four to five games on every one of those teams' schedule that they could all lose. Mm -hmm. Don't agree with Doring. That just they could all lose. Uh, to be honest that's how, that's, that's that's how the free best friend. That's how – yeah. That's yeah. how competitively balanced that league is. Uh, it was never really balanced when this guy was playing. Reggie Bush, back into the news. <laughs> he was unbelievable, right? Everybody knows. One of the greatest players in college football history filed a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA on Wednesday. In a statement, his lawyers claim the NCAA maliciously attacked his character through a completely false and highly offensive statement that was widely reported in the media and substantially and irreparably damaged his reputation. Talking about kind of the NCAA said that he was part of a pay-for-play 
investigation. You Why would you not litigate with the NCAA? They suck at litigation. They're on a losing streak right now. They cower. Yeah, you might as well just take yeah. them to court. They, they, they back away from it. They'll settle out of court and we'll be done with this thing. Why would you not? Fair to say? I mean, Absolutely fair. All I know is every player that got the waiver that lawyered up was eligible right away. That's right. right. I mean, the bottom line, that's not been the strong suit of of the NCAA, and but I don't know if that's really the point of all of this. I, the, the point of this is about a Heisman Trophy, right? And uh, you can say you were defamed if you're Reggie Bush. You, you still had a, 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 a fairly successful high school career. Financially, you're in a great place, all right? I understand the college side of it, but from a Heisman Trophy perspective, when you watch the Johnny Manziel story, and he has his Heisman Trophy, and this guy doesn't. But that happened after his freshman campaign. At least Johnny says so. Do you think that he should have a Heisman? No question. I think vacated wins and vacated records and stats are the biggest joke. We all know what happened on the field. Right. He was the best player no in college football for almost probably two years in a so row there. So there's no accountability. So at that point, the, the, with the NCAA said these are the rules. And it wasn't USC, by the way. It was Lloyd Lake, a guy yeah. that's trying to sign him as an agent. So I understand what Reggie's saying, hey, it was pay for play. No, it wasn't. USC didn't pay me there. Now, what the Johnny Manziel documentary, Johnny Manziel's making all that money. We talk about Cam Newton and his father receiving money behind the scenes. Whatever happened to Cam Newton? Nobody, nobody was punished for that. But the question is, is that they investigated the NCAA, said we went in there, and even Reggie Bush said, all right, I'm going to give back my Heisman. Now, mostly because they probably thought that he was going to go, they were going to take it from him. Sure. I think you can retire his number. The records look great, but as far as the Heisman, those were the rules. That family broke the rules, and there yeah. has to be some accountability at some point. All right, we'll continue on College Football Live. Maybe a little bit more yelling coming up. Uh, <laughs> college football, of course, right around the corner. Which of these players are going to shine, and what team can be the ultimate spoiler coming up? And, of course, college football, when it's here, we got chaos. What are some of the week zero storylines? And we're tracking one potentially huge upset. That next, College Football Live. Almost here, y'all. College football season kicks off Saturday. 18th annual MEAC SWAC Challenge. Got South Carolina State squaring off Jackson State, Central Park Stadium in Atlanta, former Turner Field. Celebration of the HBCUs begins 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific on ABC for the first time and always on the ESPN app. Tom Lugaville, Chris Doran, Peter Burns, as we get closer and closer, I love college football and I love chaos, right? We always <laughs> seem to get it. I Spoiler team, CD, is there one that you've kind of circled going, all right, this team gets it together, things completely change? Yeah, it's Texas A&M, and it's quite the difference from mm -hmm. what we've experienced in the preseason leagues the last two years yeah. where they were overhyped. This year, not enough people are talking about what they're capable of doing. They played up front last year with 17 and 18-year-olds on the defensive front. Those guys are now physically more mature. They're also a little more mentally mature, and they got that experience under their belt. I think they're going to be better defensively. I believe in Connor Wegman. And I think the overblown talk about play calling with Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher not wanting to, to, to give it up is just too much of the distraction from what's actually taking place on the field this year quietly. I think that they are going to be a team that's coming out with a lot of confidence this season. I don't think there's any question they got talent. And you're right, it was youthful a year ago. I'm going to go with a team um, out of the ACC. All the talk's been about Clemson, maybe North Carolina, maybe Florida State. But I like NC State, and I like them a lot. Uh, I like the schedule. They get Notre Dame, they get Clemson, they get Miami at home, no Florida State. And here's really why I like them. They're going to get Brennan Armstrong, 
back tied up with Robert and I, his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Virginia in 2020 and 2021, where Brendan Armstrong was one of the most prolific passers in all of college football. This is going to be a team that's going to be really good on defense, particularly in the defensive front where it counts. But I think you get that confidence of Brennan Armstrong back with the scheme, mm -hmm. all right, of Robert and I. Everybody's feeling good, and the schedule plays out well. How weird is that, right? We're going to see an ACC transfer situation. They're going to stay in there. And remember, Dave Doring's defense, they held everybody to less than 30 oh, points last year. Good, so man. defensively, they were pretty good. You, another one? You, you, you all of a sudden raised your hand in the middle I, of that yeah, point. I, I forgot I about I want one more right? because I experienced this. I had the misfortune of going to Las Vegas and watching the Las Vegas Bowl where Oregon State <laughs> – this physically whipped the Florida Gators last year. And I know mm. they, they were losing a lot of guys that, that had played regular in the season They're and gonna opted be a problem. out. But I think, you know, adding DJ Uyunglele, and that's one of the things I want to see. How, it. how Nailed they, it. I learned that from you. Thank I you. want to see how they use him. <laughs> I want to see if, if they put him in positions to be yeah. successful because I don't think Clemson always did that. And I want to see how his confidence level is able to bounce back. Two things. Number one, I want to see if DJ Uyunglele is going to be accurate. All right. Is he going to be innately accurate or is he going to miss wide open opportunities and he's going to struggle to have consistent performance? And number two, going back to your Texas A&M thought, because I agree with you on the talent side of it. I don't even know if it's so much the play calling is. Is it truly going to be Bobby Petrino's offensive scheme mm -hmm. or is it we're going to blend the two together and then there ends up being a tug of war and how we're going to do this and how we're going to approach that? I think that probably is more important than who's actually calling the plays. Another interesting one, again, if you have Rocket Sanders and you got K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas is going to be a problem, and that is a tough place to play over there. See, I disagree with you on that. You I, don't? I, I got to yeah. see a lot of defensive improvement yeah. before I believe in they Arkansas. They were banged up last year badly. I had them against BYU leading up to that game. They could barely field a secondary to practice. Well, 65% of the time, you're right every time uh, there, <laughs> CD. All right, we got a lot more coming up, including Auburn has a quarterback. That's right. They've named it. Are you ready for it? Peyton Thorne, it's time. Hugh Freeze back in the SEC. We'll talk about that next. A kickoff rematch. A cross-conference showdown to start the season. Not your average season opener. Florida, Utah, Thursday, August 31st on ESPN. Hopefully we see Cam Rising in that game. That'll be a yeah. fantastic one. Anthony Richardson was great last year in it. How about this? Peyton Thorne has won the Auburn QB1 job. Coach Hugh Freeze announced back over uh, on Thursday. Thorne, a transfer from Michigan State, beat out Robbie Ashford, and of course going to start for the Tigers on their September the 2nd opener against Massachusetts. Against the Minutemen. Um, <laughs> We see some results of this, some guest posts. It's no longer tweets, right? Matt Cohen says things right. are good between Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. The quarterback battle ended. Thorne said he said it wasn't toxic like some quarterback battles can be. Of course, anytime these competitions are heating up, Peyton Thorne said Auburn's first scrimmage was, quote, frustrating, but he's excited to be done with scrimmages now and just play live. A little bit of a different of the competition that goes back and forth. Luke, you were telling me a little bit about that. The Peyton Thorne story, how, how does it relate? Well, you know, I was in a situation very similar to this. I transferred into Georgia Tech, and they had a returning starter as well. And uh, we battled, and we fought, and we went deep into fall camp, and we were roommates during training mm -hmm. camp. So we're going back to the same room every night. And so I know exactly what he's talking about with the relationship between he and Robbie Ashford. The counterpart that I was battling with was a guy by the name of Donnie Davis, and we were great. Like, everything was fine between us. 
But the thing that you've got to look for is what's the locker room dynamic? Yeah. Who has the team? Where do the allegiances side? And the only way, in my opinion, off of personal experience, that this thing really plays into Peyton Thorn, uh, Thorne's favor, he has to play really well. Yeah. He has to prove to the coaches mm -hmm. that they made the right choice, okay? And, you know, I was in a situation where it went the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting you talk about the locker room dynamics because not only is it friendships, it's your own personal vested interest. As a player yeah. with different quarterbacks, there's different styles of offenses that are going to yeah. be run. I was at Florida with Terry Dean and Danny Warfel going back and forth. The plays that Danny Warfel was best at were the ones that I was typically running a lot of the routes that I would receive. So, right. you know, I want to be, as a selfish guy, I want to be able to get more passes. So I think some of that's involved, especially with how different those two quarterbacks are. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Both of those guys are going to play. They're going to need Robbie Ashford's athleticism Absolutely. this year. He's going to play a lot. I think there will be a lot of packages, short mm -hmm. yardage and goal line, where you're going to see a lot of the old school Wildcat with Robbie Ashford. Mm -hmm. By the way, uh, a subtle debate for me. You, I, I appreciate your football uh, knowledge here. Who has more passing yards this season? Is it Auburn football or Alabama football? <laughs> Auburn football or Alabama, Alabama football? Okay, you still think so? You, that's what you believe? I just, I'm a firm believer that Auburn got better players, man. I, <laughs> no, I get that, but I think that they're going to yeah. run the ball a whole lot. They yeah. don't know who their quarterback is going to be. They're going to sure. be up in a bunch of games, so they're not going to throw the ball. And for me, I look at it, and I'm like Hugh Freeze. The defense is not there. They're going to be down in games. They're going to have to pass the ball a little bit more. Yeah. If they were going to run the ball, they could have gone with Robbie Ashford. He's not buying it either. Neither of us are buying <laughs> I'm it. Just keep telling yourself. There's a fantasy football <laughs> element to this at that point. Okay. Somebody, somebody's going to uh, take a screenshot of this. Yeah. <laughs> Come back on either you or us. Oh, no. Yeah. Josh Maxson, say hello. He's the guy that runs all the stuff over in Alabama. I'm just, and the Paul Feinbaum guys over the next uh, yeah. call, they'll take those phone calls. All right. Everybody's posting stuff about it. You never know what's going to break whenever you do shows. And of course, conference realignment has continued to get kind of crazy. All right. Pete Thamel's in here says sources, the potential additions of Cal, Stanford, and SMU to the ACC are again under serious consideration by the ACC, a small group of ACC presidents, and met Wednesday morning to discuss financial models that would come with the additions. It's interesting because Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director over at Notre Dame, had said, listen, we're trying to get Stanford and Cal in to the ACC, right? These are great, illustrious places. They should have places to play. But my only question about that is, well, why shouldn't Notre Dame join the ACC, right? <laughs> if Notre Dame's saying, hey, Stanford and Cal, they should come on over, why is no one asking the question to Notre Dame? Notre Dame, if it's good enough for Stanford and Cal, not good enough for you to join completely? Friends it's and benefits, man. Friends with benefits. That's all Notre Dame is mm -hmm. to the ACC. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I think you ask yourself one simple question in all of this. Does this make you any money or cost you money? Mm -hmm. Does Cal and Stanford make you any money if you're the ACC? More importantly, I am so sick of the lies, hey, we're doing what's best for the student-athlete. <laughs> Flying across the country every, every week to play games against the teams that are in yeah. a different time zone. Three times on the way is not what's best no. for the interest for those players or their families, for that matter. All right. So, we'll, we'll, as that storyline develops, continue to follow us up for all of our college football um, insights, especially with Pete Thamel over there. How about a little rapid fire to kind of end today's show? I want to go some true-false questions. CD, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, will there be at least two new teams in the college football playoffs this season? True or false? That would be true. And the okay. reason being, I think this is the, the year that the college football reflects the NFL more than ever. Parity yep. outside maybe of a couple teams there. 
I think there's a lot of parity, so I think we're going to see a lot of unexpected things happen. I say true as well. You know, that overused term, cannibalize each other. Yep. That's exactly what I think is yep. going to happen, potentially across the board. It was good, right? We saw new blood last year yeah. when you go, you see TCU back in there, and of course, there'll be a lot more new blood whenever we go to a 12 team playoff back in 24. All right, how about this? The Pac 12, Lugs, will provide the most amount of drama this entire college football in season. In the season? By conference, by conference. Season. Well, yeah, as a, maybe, yeah, you never know. As a conference, I, th I believe that's true because I think it, if at the end of the day, it will be the one conference that will have the most games come down to the last possession, all right, or a field goal or touchdown with time expiring. Yeah. That's how equally balanced those teams It's a are. real shame that this didn't happen sooner because they could have garnered mm. a, a television deal that would have kept them alive. This is exactly what they needed. There's depth of talent in the league and they got headline quarterbacks that are making waves across the country, making people want to watch. All right, how about this, CD? There will be at least two non-quarterback Heisman finalists this season. True or false? <laughs> That's a false. Uh, it, you know, here's the deal. Running backs have already been devalued. We, we talk about, you know, those guys with the proliferation of passing game. Quinshawn Judkins could be one of those guys. Brock Bowers could be one of those. Marvin Harrison Jr. It's I gave you three guys. They may not even have Blake, a quarterback this year. Blake Corum. Blake Corum. Blake Singleton. Yeah, you're, like, sa you're saying a lot of nice guys, which I, I'm happy about. Well, I don't know how nice they are, frankly. But, I just know they're really good players. At the end of the day, this is a league about throwing the football. Yeah. And anybody that's a receiver, they're going to give the credit to the quarterbacks before they give credit to the actual people catching the ball. Well, let me tell you something. If Marvin Harrison has a Heisman-type mm -hmm. season, one of those two quarterbacks in Ohio State's going to the Heisman. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. All right, I'm going to go to the last one here because this is the most important. And I don't know overall going to see eyes. Most important to me. I'm the host of the show today, all right? Fall weddings are the worst during football season true or false 100% true like true. why would you do that to your friends okay yeah. why yeah it's true why why would you want to have a gathering to celebrate the rest of your lives mm -hmm. and everybody's over in the pew going like this on the no but here's how you do it I got married to an Alabama fan I'm an LSU fan we got married when LSU was going to play Syracuse at noon and what Alabama about your, was going to boat race somebody so about all your other 40. friends that have different allegiances. yeah what about your other friends they'd be voting out of guess what years. happened they all came over after the wedding we had a great time then we watched college football I watched college out. football with my favorite hey, friends of all time get, I didn't get the invite to his wedding I didn't either I got married in July because I knew better this is awkward <laughs> I did not know that I did not invite neither one of these two guys over here <laughs> Maybe the next one, you never know. <laughs> Tom Lugaville, Chris Dorn, I'm Peter Burns. That's College Football Live. <laughs>